This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. This month, we're talking about the Benedictine rule and especially the principle of work. Work is an unavoidable, the Bible says, work six days and rest on the seventh or something along those lines. And Emily and I are going to talk today about helping our children learn to love work. Thanks for joining me today, Emily. Thanks for having me on. Always a delight to be on. You were a super hard worker when you were younger. I, you know, I have seven kids. You're the young, you're the oldest, and I have several more after you. And everybody, you know, has a different attitude in some ways towards work. Some of them love to work. Some of them love to work for, you know, some some of them love some kinds of work more than others. But you have always really been so diligent. What do you think contributed to that? I think I felt very important early on in that work. I got a lot of identity from it. I remember being out with dad and Ed Gillespie and they were doing, we were putting in a new well and they were putting in piping from that well to the house. So they were out in the pouring rain, um, sealing joints basically for the pipes. And I remember being out there with them just standing there in the rain with my coat on holding the lantern for them. And it was, who knows how late it was. It's probably wintertime because we were digging, obviously, during the rainy season so we wouldn't have to be combating rocks and hard clay. But I just remember feeling so needed and such a necessary part of this kind of meta operation that was happening. And I think a lot of the work that I did being the oldest, being feeling like there was a lot of value, a lot of contribution that my work was bringing to the family and to the family dynamic and to how things ran made early work really easy. And it kind of cultivated that work. And then later on, it made it easy to continue working because I could always find that sense of value in the work I was doing. That's so insightful, Emily. It's interesting because I haven't really asked you that question before. And, you know, obviously it's, and, and maybe it shouldn't be obvious, but getting the youngest kids to work isn't quite the same because we actually live in a very low work life right now. Like we're, we're living in a rental house and um, we're not on our property and there's a lot of factors involved, but I, I have said before on like the Peaceful Press blog and maybe even in podcast episodes that I actually think it's important for families to create enough work for their children. And I would say there was a season when we had too much work, you know, in Oakdale, I feel like there was too much work. And so I really couldn't be present with, uh, especially the middle boys, like who didn't have the training yet to love work. And, And so I was just always like in this sort of antagonistic relationship with them, sending them to do more chores because there was just so much work to do. And I had babies and toddlers and, but I don't think it's great to also not have enough work in a family life. You know, right now, like I said, we don't have animals where we're living right now. It's not a very big house. There's not a lot of housework. And so the youngest children in the home right now, there's no babies to take care of. And I'm having them, you know, your chores like taking out the trash and unloading the dishwasher and your chores loading the dishes and vacuuming the floors and keeping the bathroom clean. You know, there are a few chores that are theirs, but there's just not the same level of 
of necessity that kind of helped you feel inspired by your work? I think that's very true. I think that the one thing though, speaking especially to families who do only live in that urban setting, a lot of it is about the mission behind work. Like if you're just making your children work without imparting a vision for why you're working, that also is never going to give them that purpose and that identity and that joy and that sense of fulfillment because they're part of something bigger. And so if you do live in an urban setting and even, you know, for you right now with a home that's small, that's, you know, it's not um, hard to take care of, not a lot of your own stuff there even. So it's pretty simple. I think the idea of like, we want to have a clean house because there's a beauty and orderliness. And if we have a clean house, it's easier for us to go do fun things at the drop of a hat. And there is a, you know, the whole cleanliness next to godliness. Like, I think that's kind of ridiculous and I'm not sure that's in the Bible, but the general concept of order and beauty and creating a family life where we live, where we don't live in our own dirt. We don't live in our own filth. We don't live with, you know, towels hanging all over the place and damp towels and hair on the floor and, and this, this kind of mission to create a beautiful home. I think that you can still draw children into feeling value and feeling purpose, even if you're living in a more suburban setting. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, there are so many things that we can learn, even in a little bit of a different setting, you know, we can, and, you know, in the peaceful press resources, there's all kinds of new projects you could try, like woodworking, or one of the things my son's doing lately is tying flies for fishing, or, you know, dipping beeswax candles, making tallow balm, there are so many different handcrafts and really useful skills that we could learn as a family that could sort of create a little bit more purposeful work if you live in a lifestyle that doesn't quite have enough. And I think also it's interesting because a lot of families, their academics take up so much time that there really isn't any time to, you know, take care of a plant or a pet or some of these other more hands-on chores. But I've always felt that the hands-on or the project-based learning that comes with taking care of chickens, for instance, or baking bread, some of these things, there are so many academic benefits to it as well. You know, you have to think through a project and learn how to manage your time and your resources. You have to learn how to follow directions. You know, if you're building a bookshelf for the family books, all of these kinds of little projects that might seem like they're just housework, they actually have a lot of executive planning skills that you have to learn, a lot of uh, processing skills. And so I wouldn't underestimate how many of the little jobs we do around our home are also part of your child's education. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think it is really fun to couple work with creating something. And so I know we've talked about that quite a lot. And so the activities that you just talked about are activities where you are going in and you're creating something from scratch and you're seeing something that just didn't exist form and and kind of grow substance under your hands. I think the other aspect of work is my I the the joy I got from feeling like a part of something bigger than myself didn't just come from the fact that we were living on 11 acres. It came from the fact that I was serving people in my life. And so if you are living in a community, if you're living in an urban area, chances are there is somebody in that community who could use an extra hand. And so I think we work is interesting because if you if you look at work as being 
I don't want to say self-centered, but just kind of staying in your own lane and just trying to figure out how to work, then you miss out on the other part of it, which is as much as I enjoy doing arts and crafts and things like that. And I think it's incredible. The purpose again comes from serving. And so no matter how much work you have on your own plate, I think finding time for your kids to go serve other people is also going to be part of sort of inspiring them and in, in creating that relationship with work that is going to be really beneficial in the long run. That's such a great idea. I love that. One of my children right now is going to a neighbor's and just helping fold clothes. They have a lot of young children and we don't anymore. And so she walks down there once a week and for you know no monetary compensation is helping out with just some of the housework. And I think that that's another beautiful way to just to teach your children to be humans because part of being a human is seeing people in need and loving them and caring for them. And when you're in the stages of raising a lot of young children, mostly that is your own family. Like it is hard to be going off and helping somebody else. But if you can start to get your children in that sort of mindset that as, as believers, we are called to love one another. And so a lot of the purpose of our work is love. Like we're keeping our house tidy because we love each other and we also love our neighbors and we want them to be able to come by if they need to. And, you know, we're doing our schoolwork because we love God and we want to be able to know him and know his word and, and be able to be a blessing in the world through the gifts that he's given us. And so I think helping your children to have a vision for the work is such a powerful way of making it feel more purposeful. One of the things that we've been working on in the Restoration Home community since we started this year is Church Heart follow through. And it's been really sweet to see children start to take some authority over their own jobs as the moms got consistent with follow through. And I think that is one of the really hard things is once you get several children in the family, it can get hard to teach the younger ones to help out. You know, you were the oldest. And so there's a lot of intentionality in, in teaching you older children how to help. And, and then, you know, that energy to like follow through on things fell off a little bit towards the end. I love, you know, I talked to my fifth child the other day and he was saying, you know, every day he makes his bed before he gets up, he goes to work on time. You know, there's so many ways that even the ones who maybe had a little bit less chore chart training or follow through are still living lives of intention and, and purpose. But I think that having some intentionality in the teaching of how to work is a really important piece to helping your children develop that habit. And I'd love to hear, you know, you, we have talked before and we've both done lots of research on child development and how on the one hand, we don't want to tie everything to a reward. You know, in our family, we rarely did any kind of an allowance or any kind of a reward for work, partly just because we were too, we were too busy. And so following through on that kind of a system was often, uh, it fell apart quickly. But also we, you know, work is just a part of life. And so we didn't want to tie normal, basic parts of life to some kind of compensation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I appreciated not having the allowance. I want to just backtrack for a second though, and say two things. One is that speaking earlier about finding people to serve. And I think that you and dad have actually modeled that so well. And I think that's part of why I appreciate it is because no matter how busy we were, you guys always did find time 
whether it was making a meal for somebody or, you know, dad going to help someone, you guys made time for that. And the second thing I wanted to say is in reference to my, the fifth child, my younger brother, I think that the restoration home community is also so incredible because the, the, your own follow through in life, your own ability to set goals to yourself, your own ability to approach work with a joyful attitude, your, your growth and how you engage with the mundane chores and the more exciting chores and the, the kind of drudgery of what is being a mother and running a household and, and all of these things. And it's, it's genuine drudgery. It's a blessing. It's beautiful and it's fulfilling, but it still can be hard. And how you approach that and how you live your life, I think is going to have an incredible impact, even when you have children who didn't get the same sort of one-on-one handheld training. But then coming to your your question now and your comment now, mom, about reward systems and work, and I definitely find myself working for a reward or thinking to myself, oh, I can, I'll do work when I feel good. And I that is something that I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how common it is. And I don't know, I don't always know how to approach it, but it is something where I want to come to this place where I'm not working for a reward. I'm not working so that I can rest, but that rest is a given and work is a given. And so it's, it's something that I've seen myself where I won't work until I kind of feel excited about the work almost, or I'll like put something off. So I'm like, Oh, it's going to take too long or it's too much work right now. Or I don't have enough time or whatever it is. And it keeps getting put off. Or I don't, I don't have like the dopamine almost to do the job. And then I end up never resting either. Cause I'm always in this sort of like no man's land of work isn't complete. So rest can't really happen. And so I think one thing about reward systems with work is if you can train your children that rest is going to happen no matter what. And so if you as a family have a Sabbath or as a family, you decide, okay, after 7 p.m., we are going to have family downtime every night for one and a half or two hours or an hour, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter what didn't get done in the day. It doesn't matter what what we still have to do for tomorrow. We're having this connected time of, of family, of reading aloud, and then we'll pick up tomorrow on the work. And I think that structure, and I, I would have to experiment more with it, but I think that structure overall would probably be more helpful than turning work into games or offering too much immediate reward in the process of learning to work. Yeah. I love what you're saying about just learning how to make sure there's a stopping point. And I can't remember if it was Jonna or Michelle Garrels, who's going to be on soon. One of them talked about that, how they really make an effort to have a stopping point where, where they rest. Like they have a lot of family projects going. They're very creative families but they have stopping points where they just move into rest. And I love that. I think that's, you know, for many, probably many of my listeners, I know for myself too, having any kind of an online community that you're stewarding can make that lines between rest and work really blurry because we, like I, I could pick up my phone to do something that seems relaxing, like looking at interior design or looking at recipes. And then pretty soon I'm, answering questions in my community, which is, you know, it's beautiful. I love the the mamas in there. I'm just so delighted that I get to be a part of that community. But also it requires, you know, thinking through thoughtful answers and and it's and it's a different kind of rest. And so I, I think it is really important for moms who are listening to just think about like how how are you making sure that there is a firm 
dividing line between work and rest. Because if you are picking up your phone every night while your kids are still awake or even even after they're in bed, you're probably not letting your body rest. And I don't think we quite understand the impact on our bodies and our nervous system of that kind of stimulation. And so being really aware of giving yourself you know, downtime for your, from your phones, but also downtime as a family where you're not working is, is so important. Something to really go after with intentionality. And then as far as um, making work play, you know, I do love making work play in some ways. I think when, when I was teaching you guys to work, we would do things like play restaurant, or um, I'd pretend that I was, that I was, like sick and I'd ask you guys to make me coffee or make me, um, make me breakfast or, you know, there was, there was things that I was either playing a game with you just for the fun of it, but also in some way teaching a new skill or getting you guys to get excited about helping in some playful way. And I think that obviously anything like that could get carried away. If you, if you can't ask your children to just put their own laundry away without having to make it into a game. But I think there's also something fun about just sharing playful, imaginative activities together. You know, we reading through the little house in the prairie books always sparked so much, um, so much delight. And then we would have these big family work days where we'd be out chopping the wood and whether whether everybody played along or not, there was an, a sense in my head of just imagining, oh, look at us. We're like a pioneer family. We're like the wilderness family. We're building a log cabin. We're, we're cooking our food outside. How fun is this? You know? And so I think that there can be a place for bringing some imagination into the work, especially with younger children as you're teaching them to work, but also just being careful how we talk about it. I, I, I don't know if you remember the wisdom and the Miller stories, like they're, they're very preachy, but I think sometimes for kids just having these stories where like the little girl, uh, you know, the rod and staff jewel series, little jewel, I think that was really similar where it's like the little girl's helping mother in the kitchen or they're helping out in the garden. And, you know, there's some models I think being made for work as you're in the training phase of helping your children love work. I agree. I think the games, gamifying work can be a really fun way to connect, especially in a large task that has to be done that is not sort of your normal task. So if you're chopping, if you're getting the wood ready for the year, you're stacking the wood for the year, like that should be a time of laughter and jokes. And I actually just listened to a podcast with this woman and she was talking about how her dad owned his own printing company. And so often he had to work on the weekends and her and her brother would go with them to her parent, go with her parents to the shop and her parents would order pizza and they would blast music and they would just turn it into this work dance party. And so I think for large tasks like that or new skill development, turning it into a game, making it fun, making it interesting is really beneficial. I think where I would sort of diverge is I would say, other tasks, like just getting your bed made, just putting away your clothes, just washing the dishes. Like that's something I've noticed in a lot of families becomes this really drawn out thing in the evening where I'm like, if you guys put your heads down, this could be done in 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And you could be all sitting around the couch with your feet up, the kitchen clean. But because it's sort of this resistance or this, this, it's not fun 
therefore we're not going to do it. We're going to do the fun thing first. And I think part of that does come from over gamifying work and also from not having clear delineations between work and rest. Because if you're raising your children to work and you're like, okay, go do this. Okay, go do that. Go do this. And they've done those things. And then they sit down on the couch for a second and you're like, hey, go do this. And then every time you see your child resting or not working, you're like, oh, they could be doing this. Oh, they could be doing that. I think that's where you do create children who are actually quite resistant to work because it stops being this this necessary part of life and it becomes um, more of a drudge. And I don't fully understand like the brain science behind why it becomes a, a drudgery in that in that time. But I think the idea of being able to go in, have this list, and that's why I love your chore cards because you can have your chore cards, the piece of press chore cards. You give your child their chore cards for the day. And then when they get them done, like I'm a big believer, if you get your work done for the day, the rest of the day should be free time. Because for one thing that encourages children to be really efficient workers, because if I know that if I take off all of my boxes, the rest of the day is mine to create with, to play with, to read, to rest, to enjoy, I'm going to be so much more excited and efficient and productive with the tasks that I do have. But if I know that no matter how fast I get those jobs done, as soon as I try to rest, I'm going to be hit with another job to do. I'm going to be so unmotivated to work. I'm not going to want to get those jobs done because I'm like, oh, if I just take forever, at least I won't have to do more work. And I think that that's where some aspects, and, and this is things I've observed, things that kind of like had crept into my own mental landscape when it came to work. And then also things that sort of would happen in seasons of our family, especially like you mentioned Oakdale or, or earlier seasons would be more, um, would resonate more with my experience. But the, just that, that again, it comes back to that boundary between work and rest. And, and if you are a mom and, and this would take quite a lot of organization, but I think it could be really useful, especially as your children get older, of creating lists and being like, okay, what needs to be done today? What child can I delineate it to? And then having them do it. And if it's done, then they're done for the day. They're finished. And, and maybe obviously everyone comes together and helps with dinner or helps clean up dinner or whatever. But just this sort of backstop to when work is going to end that breathes the efficiency of knowing that when you're done, you get to rest. Yeah, that's so good, Emily. And two things came up for me as you're talking. One, you know, I had a mom who really had a really hard time ever resting. And, and definitely that was communicated a lot in our household. Like, if you were seen resting, it was it was like, oh, you, you need to find something to do. And even, even for you kids, sometimes that that could happen. And so there's an internal, like I think for a lot of moms, there's still an internal voice from childhood that is saying something to you. And for me, that internal voice is often saying like, you you don't have value if you're not working. And I'm I'm working on that internal voice and trying to learn to prioritize rest. And, uh, and I obviously have and will continue to just express my sorrow to you children for the ways that that impacted your childhood. Because there's a beauty in learning how to work, but there's, there's a real, it's a real bummer when you feel like you can never rest. And, and, you know, that's one of the joys of life with the younger two is there's so much less work and, and I'm an older person, so I'm more tired myself. So it's easier to have sort of like, oh, let's go sit by the river for a while. Whereas when you guys were younger, there was a lot more um, tasks going on. I'm so glad that we've been able to redeem some of that time and go sit by the river together. 
We've had but, some incredible memories, <laughs> incredible yes. memories. But, you know, also thinking about what you're talking about, about work, about having clear delineations, that could also sometimes trickle into my homeschooling of you guys when you were younger, like when I was first homeschooling. And that's one reason I I fear for moms who like they're using the Peaceful Press resources and they, they do morning time and they read out loud with their children and they talk about the calendar and they do some map work and some narration or copy work. And then their children get through their math and they're, you know, maybe they have some writing or some grammar or something they're doing and they get done really fast. And then the mom's like, oh no, you're done too fast. You must not be doing enough. And they start piling on more schoolwork when really they've done a lot of deep learning. You could just give them some time to pursue their own projects, to read for fun, to, you know, especially if it's, if it's creative projects that are going to be multi-sensory, if they are getting through the work and you guys have had a good time together be thankful. It's a blessing and start doing something, you know, start pursuing a project of your own. Start flower arranging, start watercolor painting yourself instead of feeling like, oh no, we're not doing enough because there's not a gain. Like when you pile on more and more and more schoolwork, there's not some kind of mental gain for your children. There's, there's probably more of a loss because they can't absorb anything past a certain point. So you know, if you are getting through the chores quickly and then they have some free time, you're getting through your homeschooling quickly and you have some free time, count it a joy and just start finding some productive hobbies and activities or maybe even just staring at the sky or listening to birds. Some of us need to do a lot more staring at the sky or listening to birds so we can recover from some of the anxiousness that has been programmed into us by being on our phones too much or maybe having, um, you know, having been raised by people who grew up in the depression or grew up in the after effects of World War II and maybe had some of that uh, anxious upbringing that can make you feel like you never have done enough. So if you're experiencing that, obviously, it's always good to talk to a counselor, but maybe just learning to sit still with your own thoughts and start to process some of that can help you get some more peace and calm in your home so that work can be a joy and not a source of pain and frustration in your family. I love that you say all that. And I just wanted to throw a couple things in there really quickly. The first is that tagging off of what you're saying, a phone is not, is not a restful thing to have. A phone is um, exhausting and it exhausts our brains and it's scientifically proven to just cause stress and anxiety. And so if you are not having any downtime away from your phone, you are, you're not actually ever fully resting. And then the other two things are, if you are raising small children and you're trying to teach them how to do something, don't criticize them when they do it wrong. Show them how to do it right. Show them again and again how to do it right, but don't criticize them or make fun of them when they make mistakes or do it incorrectly. And at a certain point in teaching them, let it go. So if you've told them a couple times how to sweep and you've shown them and, and they've slept for the third time and it's not, it's still not perfect, just thank them and let it go because you will over repetition, you will get them to do it. But trying to make every episode this picture perfect experience, um, picture perfect effect is going to be really detrimental to their enjoyment of work and their enjoyment of working with you. 
This is so practical. I'm really glad we got to have this conversation, Emily. I know the moms listening are going to be encouraged by it. And if you would like to check out the Peaceful Press resources, we have so many practical skills included in there so that you can start teaching your children and working together with your children on some of these tasks. And also the chore and routine pack will link in the show notes so you can grab that and start kind of organizing. It has a list of life skills for children a habit tracker, and then all these adorable chore cards that you could kind of set your children up with just a few to start with and help them build from there. Thanks for joining today. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. It means the world to us. 